we are in Sefer Malachim Aleph, Perak Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, the beginning of Sefer Malachim Aleph. Just three little points before we plunge into it, and that is that Sefer Malachim is widely believed to be or have been composed by Yirmiyahu Hanavi. It covers 400 years, more than 400 really, from the time of the death of David, the installation of Shlomo, his son, to the actual destruction of Bayez Rishon by Nebuchadnezzar. And so we know that Yirmiyahu was at the end of this period. He was the Navi that predicted it. He was the Navi that led them into exile. And yet he wrote the entire Sefer with the specific purpose of giving these people who he knew were going into exile a historical perspective, even a pride in their history, because in many ways this era covered in Malach and Aleph is one of the most glorious periods of Jewish history. Two, uh, and that is that um, Malachim Aleph and Malachim Beis, the division is of course arbitrary, just as Shmuel Aleph and Shmuel Beis, they were one safer, and just as in Shmuel this division was uh, given by Christian theologians compiling it in their language, so too this is that famous Septuaginta where they translated the entire Tanakh into Greek. Those who composed it and edited it made this distinction as well uh, in, in, in the division of the story. Three, we're going to see that there's differences in certain factual things it's between here and Divrei Hayamim, the end safer of Tanakh, and where it is relevant, where we can, we can show why there are differences and what those differences are. So with that, let us begin Malachim Perak Aleph. V'hamelech David zokin ba bayamim, the king, King David, is old in years. And they cover him with clothing, but he can't keep warm. Somehow he has lost his body heat. He is freezing cold. He is chilled. And so we, of course... You know what's interesting, just at the beginning, is that David is 70 and he's old. This is the first time in Tanakh that someone is not like in the hundreds, right? And, uh, Shmuel also didn't live long. Shmuel lived to 52, I think, and was old. So yeah, no, it's not a consistent, but you were right, and they commented on he, he was 70, which of course is not that old. And so let's even begin with that. Zokin uh, Babayamin, that is a phrase used only three times in the Torah. It is used with Moshe, Moshe Zokin Bayamim, Yoshua's Zokin Bayamim, and David. The three are probably the greatest leaders in history. And what it means is that, yes, they were old, but they were old. Babayamim means they brought their days with them. Uh, they accomplished so much. Each day was filled with accomplishment, with striving for Torah, with um, achievement, with a constant thirst to do more and to accomplish more. And that is why, by the way, this 
Peret, Peret Aleph, is read as the Maftir, the Haftarah, for Chaye Sarah, where Avram is at the end of his days, and so now David is at the end of his days. But David has a very serious problem in that he has Lagichamlo. He cannot keep warm. Uh, why is this so? Where has he lost his body heat? Reading that first Rashi, Amru Rabo Senu Hamedvaze Begodim Eino Nehene Mehem Lasov. This refers to that incident we remember in um, Shmuel, where David, unbeknownst to Shaul, is in the same cave. Shaul is relieving himself out of modesty. David deliberately cuts his clothes, or partial clothes, and that Shaul will know that he was spared. Somebody spared him. However, the Gemara does not look as kindly at that because this is a general principle. We learned it in Brachos that whoever is Mabaza, who um, cheapens the use of destroys the Godim of another, he will not see them any enjoyment from they will provide no comfort at the end of his life. Lefisha Kara as Knaf Hameil Shaul. He had cut Shaul's back. And now this is a pretty strict application, but of course we know that Sadiqim like David are held to a higher standard. At the same time he did save Shaul's life. And Fortune point out that this has nothing to do with it. This is a claw, a general principle. You despoil clothing, you are going to be deprived of the usage from them. If you them. And three, some say that the actual part of the clothing of Shaul that he cut was the tzitzis part, and that is an absolute issue. So in any event, that's a theory as to why clothing provided him no warmth. Another theory is that we saw just recently when that plague in the last chapter of Dever uh, killed 70,000 people, but some say in the space of an hour, David saw the actual Malach Hamavez go through with his sword, and that at some point, unfortunately, say it grazed him, the Malach grazed him, and that touch just took away his ability to perceive heat in his body. It just froze his body. In any event, he is having terrible chills and terrible discomfort. They cover him with clothes, Below Yichamlo, does nothing. Vayomru, and so now they decide on a plan. Vayomru lo avodal. Yevakshu ladoni hamelech nara besula. Let us get for you, let us search for a besula, a virgin. Vayomdol ifnei hamelech will stand before the melech. Vitehilo sochenet. She will be a sochenet to him. We're going to come to what that means in a second. She will rest in your bosom. And will create heat to the king. What they're saying is that the warmth of this body, this young woman, this basula, will give you the heat that the body craves. Lot of questions here. Um, for one, why does it have to be a basula? Why is that a prerequisite of the job? Uh, and Rashi says, Kibisula mechamim es And the Radak seems to say the same thing. That being a basula, uh, as the Radak says, let me kihuyo ser machmasmin habaula. She is, has a greater warmth. It could have been in those days, a basula's body heat is perceived to be warmer than that of a, say, a married woman. 
But how do they do this? In other words, how do you justify what they are proposing? There is a very interesting um, Agadita in Sanhedrin Chafbeis. Let's learn it together. Uh, actually, it is that we're going to come to. It's a different Agadita in Sanhedrin Ayin Hey Amudala. Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav, Maseh ba'adam echad shenosan enav ve'eshas achas, ve'eshachas. There was a woman who was the object of a terrible obsession by this man. Uh, she was obviously a married woman, but he had terrible, terrible fixations on her. So much so that he was... So obsessed, he became very dangerously ill. It had an effect physically. So they come and consult doctors. And we know that doctors in Jewish law are usually one of the final words on whether something can be done or should be done. When we fast on Yom Kippur or not to fast, we feel sick. It's the doctor who makes the decision. So here, they came to the doctor, and the doctor said, there's no remedy for him unless they have bia, unless they cohabit. intervene and say, uh, let him die and not have carnal knowledge of him. So the doctors come back with option B. Tamod Lefonavaruma. Let her stand before him unclothed. Perhaps that will satisfy his obsession. And the Rabbanim say, no. Yomus the Altamod Lefonavaruma. All right. Option three, say the doctors. Tisbar Let her stand behind a barrier. Let her not, he will not see her, but let him hear the voice speaking. Perhaps that will satisfy this carnal lust and restore him to health. And what do you think the Rabbanim say? No. Uh, let him die and not do the better. He should die and let her not stand before him or have a voice behind the ballot. So it's a very interesting measure, but what's relevant here is how does David accomplish this? How do we let him do that? The answer is, of course, the difference in the situation. This was a man whose illness came as a result of his sexual obsession. Here, David is sick. This is a refuah. And we're going to see the Mephoshim treat this nothing less than a refuah. She is like a compress, uh, as it were, on his body. But let's continue. Um, she shall be a sochenet. Sochenet has several meanings. Sochenet can mean literally a warmer. Sochenet could mean even a treasurer that she will handle his financial affairs, which of course would be a um, way of distracting people every time she came and went, etc. And uh, Sochenet could also mean um, like a healer. She heals him. And so that's what they do. They do a beauty search. Uh, all through Israel, by they find a woman named Abishak Hashinamis. They bring her before David, 
Vahanara Yopa Adma Od, Batehila Melech Sochenet. She's a beautiful woman. She becomes the Sochenet, Batechoseu, Vahamelech Lo Yoda. They want, this is absolutely crystal clear, and let us make it crystal clear. There is no carnal knowledge, there is no sexual relationship. It is really pure Yoda. The question is what about David's wives? So a group of advisors decides that he needs some other woman, not his wives, and he's got more than one. That none of them, none of them fit the bill. We need somebody new, and they're not even. They have no. They're not even. They're not even considered, right? Not only that, we're going to see in a few sentences, maybe not today. Bacheva comes into room to speak to him about in a matter of state, and there's, he's, she's there with him. Nothing is said. Question is, as well, and you hint at it. Why didn't he take her as a wife? Why go through all this? The answer is, says the Medrash, he had the full quota of wives, specifically 18, and he could not take another wife. And so then the question is, okay, why not shed one of the 18 and replace her? And the Gemara is emphatic. You cannot do that. You do not use divorce as that it's too... Uh, sanctified a concept, producing between man and wife. You can't just get rid of a wife. And the Medrash tells oh, us... You shouldn't should have invited Felice to come for this here. <laughs> you're, on, you're on the air. In any event, um, what happens here, or, or the question is, and, and the point of it, the Medrash says, any one of those 18 wives would have divorced him and yielded to Abishak Hashunamis. But no, it was not done. Now, there is a very amusing um, medrash between Abishak and um, David. So Abishak says to David, Umro, Ninaskein, which is what we said, let us marry. Armale. Asurly, I am forbidden. I have the full quote of 18 wives, and a king cannot have it. Amulay Abishak says Nokish, a very famous phrase that says when a thief has no more victims that he can steal from, he professes himself to be a tzaddik, an upright man. He's not interested in taking things that don't belong to him. Your claim, she is attacking his manhood. She's saying the true reason you don't want to marry me is you're too old to have intimate relations, as it were. Amrulahu Karali Batsheva. He calls Batsheva, and in the interest of time and propriety, we indicate that David proved, not necessarily in front of Abishak, how much potency and lust he was capable of. And the point of that is that some say David deliberately set up the Savishak thing not to have the relationship, is to complete the tshuva for Bathsheba that he had done. The Rambam tells us if a man really has um, one tshuva for a sin he has committed, 
let him put himself in that same place that he was when he did it and see if he can resist it, assuming he's capable. And that's what David did. He was perfectly capable, but he would not let himself falter again. And some say it was at this moment that he really achieves kapara for the sin of Bathsheba. So that explains Abishag Hashunamit. Now we turn to, of all things, another son, Adonia. Kapara for a sin to not have an, to not do another sin. Yes, in other words, the Rambam says that it's right out there in the first paragraph. Rambam says that in order to do, it, you have to, you should. The, the ultimate test is put yourself in the same situation, the same environment, the same etc. That you sinned originally, and with if you can withstand it, you get you have done kapara. But she wasn't married. This woman, not like no, Bacheva. she was a basula. Right. So now we come to the problem of Adonia. Let's just discuss Adonia. Adonia was the fourth son of David. So the Bechor was Amnon, who was killed. The second is Chelob, who was an ultimate tzaddik. The Gemara says Chelob was one of four people in the history of the Torah who never sinned. Chelob was of the other world. He was obsessed with learning, with Torah. He could care less about the monarchy of succession. Then came Avshalom, who was killed in the rebellion. Now comes Adonia. So Adonia is quite logically next in line. So Adonia ben Chagis misnase lemar aniemlo. I should be the next in line. By the way, Shlomo at this time is 12 years old. He also knows that David is totally infirm and to some degree is withdrawn from the day-to-day affairs of the monarchy. And what he does, his theory is, and it, it works to a degree, is that if I play the role of the king, if I'm acting the role of the king, Ultimately, I will get the role. He's not taking it by force of arms. He's not taking it by rebellion. He's taking it by attaching to himself the accoutrements of Malchus, as we'll see. And if enough people see him as Malchus and David says nothing, he will eventually become king. Adonia ben Chagis, the son of Chagis, is not say lomar ni amlich, I guess that's one of the first prerequisites of kingship. You have a chariot. You have runners going before you. Uh, it's regal. It's royal. And they tell us that the runners, uh, the measure says that what he did was carve out their soul, souls, S-O-L-E-S, of their feet, and remove their spleen. Says, which makes them faster runners. It's even more imposing when he races through the street. Below Utsvo, and here is the basis of the problem. Below Utsvo, Oviv, Miyomov, Lemor, Madua, Kocha, Asisa. Never in his life has his father ever said to him, Here, what are you doing? You're doing this wrong to be critical. Let him go by without a single word of criticism. And he naturally feels the king is saying nothing here. I'm playing the role of the king. Obviously, he has no objection. Uh, 
And before we get to that, and Mishle, the Proverbs, and everything, every Mephibosheth says this is the absolute wrong way to parent. You do not uncritically accept everything the child does. It's sort of uh, spare the rod and spoil the child. Mishle, Proverbs, goes even further. You're setting up the child for total destruction of himself. He's going to self-destruct. And David never reproves him. The gam hu totar, next phrase, and he also is a beautiful physical beauty, which is one of the things we prefer in the king. He looks regally. Gam hu, what does that mean? And he, Avshalom. In other words, it was just like Avshalom, who was the handsomest man in the realm. But also Yalta Achare Avshalom. And so he was, as we say, the fourth in line, right behind Avshalom, who was dead. What is a more logical successor than he? By Yudvarov in So now he's going behind, he puts together an co- interesting coalition. By Yudvarov in Yoav ben Shruya ben Evyasar HaKohen, by Yazru Achare Adoniyah. And so he counsels with Yoav, David's lifelong general, and Evyasar, who was um, the Kohen Gadol at one time. But what you have to understand is both these guys are out of power. Yoav, the king, has about had it. He's had it with his assassination of Avner and with Avshalom and Shimi ben Gera. And he's removed him as the general. And so he sees that's it. His best days, uh, Yoav, are behind him. And so the best chance he has of restoration to glory and power is this guy um, as king. Similarly, Ebyasar has been stripped of his Kohen Gadol job in favor of the Tzadok. And so he sees too, my only chance of a revival of my fortunes is to side with um, Yom Yom. Uh, and so they gather with him, and they gather with him, and they are his like cabinet. You know, he's got the top military, he's got the top theological, or so he thinks. But Sadok HaKohen, and Sadok, who was the Kohen Gadol, Venayu ben Yehudoyah, who was a great help to David, the Nasan HaNavi, this becomes paramount, Nasan HaNavi, Bishimi Verei HaGibor, and that is Shimi, one of the, we learned about him as his most loyal friend, Asher David, Lo Hayu and Madun They were not with him, obviously. So now he's going to make a big party, Adonio, as if he is king. He goes to Evan Hazocheles, which was a popular place where you could sacrifice animals. And he's having a celebratory, almost like a, a, a coronation, but he's not been coronated. Asher Eitzel Ein Rogel, it's near Ein Rogel, by Yikra Eskol Echav, he invites all his brothers, B'nei HaMelech, Ulechol Anshei Yehuda, Avdei HaMelech, and all of the tribe of Yehuda, the servants of the Melech. V'nosves Nosan Hanavi, U'v'nayahu, V'eshagibarim, V'eshlomo, is the one exception of him, Lo Korah, he does not call. So he is set up for himself, that 
He's the king. He's got the penelope. He's got the clothes. He's doing the corbanos. He's having the parties. If enough people see this, and remember that here the people are just waiting for David to make some sort of pronouncement as to where he stands on the succession. And so this galvanizes a very <coughs> likely coalition on David's part of Nasan and Batsheva working in tandem, and in Mirza Hashem we will see their magnificent strategy unfold 8.45 a.m. tomorrow in Mirza Hashem.